the, the uh, strengthening of the body. We're going to become stronger because not only are we praying for each other, but somebody's praying for you. While you're praying for them, they're praying for you. And we're going to get stronger. Our prayer focuses have been this. And if you want these notes, you can just go to, uh, to our website uh, and you can get these notes. You can just get them for yourself so you won't have to, if you miss something, it'll be there. But our prayer focus has been, number one, the first, first message was to know the love of Christ. And Paul had prayed that in Philipp or Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 3.19 was the key verse. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Our prayer focus had been that, to know the love of Christ. And secondly, prayer for wisdom and knowledge. Ephesians 1.17, that was that prayer focus. And Paul said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Our third prayer focus had been for love to abound more and more. And Paul had said that in Philippians 1.9, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in, in knowledge and in all judgment. And then most recent, we did this Sunday, and I did it in Bible study with the youth on Tuesday evening. We did it for prayer last night. But this focus to be filled with the knowledge of his will. To be filled with the knowledge of his will. How many of you know that God just has, he's, God's done something awesome in your life. You know that. God brought you out of the pit that you were. And John, your testimony Sunday was absolutely incredible. But God has brought us from the pits that we were. God, as David said, he brought me up also out of that miry clay, out of that horrible, out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay, he set my feet on a rock and established my going. God has done something wonderful for everybody sitting in this room. But the mighty God did not do what he did so we could sit here in this nice new building and be miserably saved. I said it, son, and we'll say it again. You're not called out of darkness to walk in the darkness of religious confusion. You're called out of darkness to walk in his marvelous light. You're not called out of where you used to be in a state of misery just to have relocated misery. I mean, what's the difference in being miserable on a bar stool and miserable on a church seat? God did not bring you out to relocate your misery. God, God did not bring you, do such a wonderful work in you so that you could be miserably saved. We're not miserably saved. We're mightily saved. We're rejoicingly saved. And as a result of being mightily saved, I, I, I love that old song, Look What the Lord Has Done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He changed my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise his name. Are y'all cold again? Because some of you sitting there like, I'm going to start calling you out. If I see that Eeyore look on your face, I'm going to call you out. We've been mightily saved, and we need to remind ourselves that we rejoice in what God has done, 
and there is an understanding that is connected to our celebration. We don't praise God just because we feel an unction to praise God. We celebrate, we offer thanks, we praise Him because we know that He's done something in our life. We know He's brought us a mighty long way, and we know He's got us on a direct path to glory, and for that we're thankful. We celebrate. And so Paul is saying, I'm praying for the church that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's our fourth prayer focus, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. Paul said in Colossians, the first chapter of Colossians, he, he goes to telling us, he said, I thank God. I thank God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm always praying for y'all. I've heard about your faith in Christ and of your love which you have to all the saints. So that's all of us. We have faith in the Lord. We love each other. I'm thankful for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof we heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you. The gospel has come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and he knew of the grace of God in truth. And then he goes on to say, because of what the Lord has done. In verse 9, he says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, since the day we heard of your incredible experience with God and where you are in your walk with God, since we heard of how that God's done something for you and God is being manifest in you, since we heard, we don't cease to pray for you. We don't stop desiring that you might be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of of his dear son. That's powerful that we've been delivered from the power of darkness. That means hell, Satan, sin, the world, evil has no more control over us. We've been delivered from the power of it. But not only have you been brought out of that, you've been translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So you've been delivered from the power of hell. Somebody needs to get a hold of that because the Holy Ghost is driving that home in me right now. Some of you are allowing your past to have hands on you that, that actually has no authority touching your life. You are as disconnected from your past as you are from, from being at Walmart right now. You're disconnected from it. You've been delivered from that. You've been translated or placed into, you've been put into the kingdom of Jesus Christ in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So Paul said, my prayer for y'all is that you would be filled with the knowledge of what's happened. I don't stop praying. I don't stop desiring that ye might be filled. Filled is a condition. That's a state. 
And I shared with you uh, Braden's word last, last week, fold. You're fold. You're fold with. You're fold up with. Filled means there's nothing else in that vessel but this, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, he said, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be shaped into the mindset of this world. How many of you know the world, the influence of the world is, is pretty powerful? So don't be shaped, don't be conformed into the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Some of you need to start speaking to some things in your life and say the will of God is what's being control or in control of my life. Get used to it. Some of you need to start speaking to yourself and saying, self, you ain't what you used to be. You're in the will of God. Start living it. You're where God has placed you. Paul said in Ephesians 5, 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And Philippians 2, 13 is one of my favorite scriptures where Paul says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, the power of God can bring about his will in your life. You really don't have to be on a struggle bus. You know how to get off the struggle bus? You get off the struggle bus by quit trying to do things on your own. As long as you try to live for God by your own self, getting your to-do list out, making sure you're doing all this, as long as you try to do that, you're going to be on the struggle bus. If you want to get off the struggle bus, start your, start your day in the morning face first before God and say, God, I can't make it without you. I submit myself to you. I submit my life to you. I want your will to be done in every facet of my life. Brother David, you don't know how I struggle with certain things. Well, I want you to know if you can cast some things on God, he's bigger than you are, and he cares for you, and he's able to do some incredible things in your life. You know what my struggle bus is? Trying to get this across to y'all. Man. I'm up here and I'm about to explode in my inner, my guts are about to pop out of my head. I'm feeling this and I, 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 I love to pray and study and seek God. And I sit there and some of y'all says, maybe I need to put y'all in detention as a teacher. I don't know. It's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The purpose of God. It's going to be played out as Paul said, my prayer for you is that you would know that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And the purpose is that you would walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. The result of being filled is we're strengthened 
with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience, unto all longsuffering with joyfulness. As children of God, we remember where we were, but we know that he's brought us from where we were. And therefore, Paul said, I'm praying that you will know who you are. I, I've shared this story before, but I just, it popped in my head. I'm going to share it again, okay? Everybody knows who my dad is, all right? Everybody in town. I grew up in Lexington, and, um, and the great thing about moving off, I was gone for 20 years. I had to go off. I've shared this before. I had to go off for 20 years so I could come back and be a pastor. And I'm thankful to be able to be in that position. But I remember I went to Kaywood School. I went to Kaywood School, and when I was in the fifth grade, I think it was, at Kaywood School, I was uh, trying to find myself, if you can find yourself in the fifth grade. I was trying to find myself, so I'm hanging out with guys, the rough, tough guys, you know, and I can name you some names, but y'all probably kin to them, so I'm not going to. <laughs> so I'm in line. I don't even know if I ought to tell y'all this. So I'm in line. So you line up. You line up, you know, and, and I'm in line. We're getting ready to go out of the room into lunch. And so back in the day when they're fifth, you know, fifth grade boys are stupid. And so they thought it was funny to kind of, while you're standing in line, reach over and, and just kind of pat the girl's butt that's over here beside you. And so here I am, and they're agging me on. They're agging me on. Why don't you? Do it, do it, come on, do it, do it, do it. So I just. And this girl turned around, I could tell you who she is too, but y'all may know her. She looked at me and she said, you are a disgrace to your daddy's name. There's some things that happen in fifth grade you'll never forget. I don't know what they told us that year, but I'll never forget that. I don't even know who my teacher was, but I'll never forget that. That's rough, y'all. I mean, if that's today, I could have probably filed a complaint over that one. But there's something about getting smacked in the face with the reminder of who you are. Everybody knew my daddy was the pastor of the First Pentecostal Church. You can't get away with nothing. I know some of y'all sitting there thinking, that's why you left town. No, I left town to pastor a church. I didn't leave town so I could do something. Lord, have mercy. Who you are, every now and then something needs to smack you upside the head that reminds you of who you are. You're an overcoming child of God. Your past does not control you. Who you used to be does not define you. You have the name that is above every name on your life. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were burying that old man and rising to walk in that new life. When his spirit moved in, he empowered you to live the life that he's destined for you to live. 
But the sad thing is, is that children of God are saved, but sat on church pews trying to figure it out. And Paul is saying, I want you to be reminded. I want you to understand. I want you to walk in that, in that understanding. And I want you to be empowered in your life. You serve a, a God that is incredible, the preeminent Christ. And he goes on to describe him. I'm going I'm to tie this together. He goes on to describe him in the next few verses in Colossians 1 verse 13. He says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm connecting this back to what I just said. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. This is the one that did this. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Somebody say, Christ in me. And he said in verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. This morning the Lord woke me up with the thought, and I had intended on talking tonight about that other prayer focus on, on your last week's card that was given about the word of God to come in power. And he said, no, you're going to talk about that on Sunday morning out of 1 Thessalonians. But the Lord woke me up with this thought this morning. And I'm going to tie this all together with this. He woke me up with the thought of the intimacy of his church. All of these things that I've read to you, you got to understand how special the church is 
to the Lord. And on that last night, and I preached this last year about one, and Brother Eddie, that picture that, that we have from the Garden of Gethsemane over in, back in November. In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus is praying, and he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou hast, or thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And so I'm sitting there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Many of you were there. We're, I'm sitting there after we'd had our devotion there in the garden. And I begin to look around me and I see dozens of old olive trees, I see thousands of olives scattered across the ground. The Garden of Gethsemane is that place where if you leave the city of Jerusalem and cross the Kidron Valley, I believe it is, and oh, just right over here, just not too far off is the Mount of Olives. And at the base of the Mount of Olives is, is the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a place where they crush the olives to make the oil. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at what's around me and all of a sudden these words just start flooding my mind out of John chapter 17. This final prayer that Jesus had prayed, John recorded it. It all connects at that point. And I begin to see this, that there's one thing that's the product of that garden, and that was the oil. The oil was coming from the olive presses. But if you were to go home, how many of you have a bottle of extra virgin olive oil? Go home tonight when you get, when you get home. And you'll see that the ingredients on the back of that bottle of extra virgin olive oil, you'll see that the ingredient label would say extra virgin olive oil or cold-pressed <coughs> cold olive oil. If you read on down, if you bought extra virgin olive oil, even if you bought it at Walmart, it'll, um, it'll say the countries of origin. And there will be maybe four or five, sometimes even eight or ten countries of origin. So what you have in a bottle of extra virgin olive oil is you have one ingredient, but that one ingredient is a, an accumulation of millions of olives from hundreds of trees from many other countries crushed together and made into one product. And it was there in that garden that Jesus said, make them one. That every one of us are made one. We look at Jesus and know that he's the fullness of God, and you cannot separate Jesus from God. And he used that as the expression. He says, Father, make them one even as we are. And you know what he said? He said, if they're one, then my glory is going to be seen in them. The glory that you have given me, I give them. And if they are one, then 
the glory is going to be seen. I'm going to start tying this together, but y'all please catch this. What is the glory? The glory is the appearance of, the greatness of. The glory is where God is seen and honored. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. And Jesus told uh, Thomas that, if you are Philip that. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And then when he's praying there in the garden, he says, Father, may, may, them, may they be one as we are. There's an indivisibility. There's an inseparability. You cannot divide it out. And so when you see Jesus, you see the Father. But here's the truth. Are y'all with me? When you see the church, you see Jesus. The glory of the Lord is seen in the church. So way back in antiquity, way back in Old Testament time, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses prayed, show us your glory. Second Chronicles, you find that Solomon dedicated the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And so when we pray, show us your glory, and we've done that, when we pray, show us your glory, then we need to start realizing what his glory is going to look like. And his glory is going to look like a unified, indivisible body. His glory is going to look like the church as one, as one with each other, and as one with Jesus. That's what his glory is going to look like. His glory is, are y'all with me? His glory is going to look like a body that's on the same page, of the same word, of the same mind, singing the same song, that are, that are of one mind and one accord, one in purpose, one in vision, one with the plan of God, one with God and one with each other. Because he said, Father, I want my glory that you've given me to be seen in them. And then may they be one as we are. You see, we've prayed, Lord, show us your glory, but the truth is unity is what shows the glory of the Lord. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. And I've seen it, and Brother Steve mentioned it the other night, and it was incredible because you're in the atmosphere, and it just seems like it's just Wow. It's like a haze, the atmosphere. There's something powerful about the atmosphere. But I think some of us, when we said, Lord, show us your glory, we've actually had a mindset that I'm going to see something. Do y'all like my theatrical voice? It's going to be, ooh, here comes the glory. I, I, I don't want to sound snarky tonight. And I actually had to define the word snarky in Bible study today. That made my heart happy. But the truth is, if you're asking for the glory of God, don't be looking for something. Be looking for unity in the church. Because when the church is one with each other and one with him, the glory of the Lord is going to be manifest. Ephesians 3.20 Paul said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Look at this. 
unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. All that is in the church is in Christ Jesus. All that is in Christ Jesus is in the church. The visible unity of the church represents the invisible unity of, of God with him and God with us. This visible unity. Jesus is God. And the glory of Jesus is represented with the church united with him. This is the intimacy of the church. We're one. Write these notes down so I can close. There's three points that I want you all to see. There is connection the church has, the connection the church has through fellowship. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, following that outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And I read fast to get to verse 46 because I want you to see this. Look at, the, look at it and read it out loud with me. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Hey, y'all were Pentecostals. And do y'all know, Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. We can hoop and holler and get all excited, but the growth of the church came because they continued daily in one accord. Daily. It's not a one-time event. Poke your neighbor and say, are you even paying attention? It's not a one-time event. It's not a one and done. It's a continuation in what God has placed us in. They continue daily with one accord. Praising God and having favor, verse 47, with all men and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. If the only time you think about the body of Christ is on Sunday and Wednesday, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If the only time you think about church is when you get in car to get in your car to come to the building, you need to tell yourself church is not where I go. Church is what I'm part of. I am the church. We're, we're long past acting one way on Sunday and something else on Monday. We're long past when we put on our church clothes, we change our character. We're long past that. We're not that anymore. Church isn't about Sunday. Church is about this is the body that I'm connected to. We're connected daily. Connection through faith is the second point. And Jude tells us in Jude 1 verse 3, Behold, or Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered 
unto the saints. We have a connection through the faith. This faith that he's talking about, this common salvation, doesn't mean that it's something that's common as far as, as, as cheap. This means this is one salvation. One salvation. You didn't have a particular salvation. You didn't, you didn't go run around a tree six times and were saved. We're all saved alike. We all have to believe. We all have to repent. We all have to be baptized in the name of the Lord for the remission of our sins. And we all have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. This common salvation, and it's needful for me to write unto you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And I'm closing. The third thing is that we have connection through intimacy of prayer, word, and worship in the Spirit. Last night, we had an absolutely incredible prayer meeting. It started like most prayer meetings do. We gathered. Pop, Pop always. Pop always wants me to give a little Bible study. He's always like, preach a little bit. Preach a little bit, son. He loves preaching. He's got satellite radio, listens to preaching. And so it's preach a little bit, son. And so I gave the Bible study and brought us the prayer points. We prayed together, prayed for needs. And then we began to pray in groups. And those of you that were here began to notice as things began to change. We prayed in groups. And then we began to pray in each one of these zones. Zone one. Zone two, zone three, zone four. Begin to pray in these zones. And the Spirit of God began to move. And then I began to look up and I saw people begin migrating toward each other. And Sister Gail was over here in travail. And I look over and I see Jared go over there. And, and I eventually come over and I sit at the front with my family. And, and here comes Jennifer and Livy and Madison. And we're, we're here. And many of y'all just begin to get together and you didn't want to leave because of the way the presence of the Lord was here and I'm here in that setting and I begin to rejoice in my heart because there's such an intimacy that is in prayer in worship when we're in the presence of the Lord together I John John David I've never felt in a family reunion what I can feel in a prayer meeting. I've never felt around the table what I feel when we worship together. I love my family. I love my nest. I love the closeness of it. But there's something about this spiritual connection. If you aren't already cherishing it, it's time that you start cherishing that. There's something about that spiritual connection of when we pray together, when we worship together, when we're in the presence of our life source together. That intimacy, that connection through intimacy of prayer, of word, of worship. And Paul encourages us, stand with me if you would. Paul encourages us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. 
He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the, of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit. You're called with one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Words are inadequate to explain it. I can't explain the true intimacy or the true closeness of all of this. And you guys know that this year, this season that we're part of, this season, there is such a spirit and attitude of division that is prevailing in our world, in our country. But in this time of division, we are one. You and I, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. It's the Father of all, above all, through all, and in you all. In a time that polarization, drawing tight lines, it's either my way or no way. This time of polarization, those that demand tolerance but are intolerant, we've got to keep reminding ourselves that we're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are one. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Turn around to two or three people. Form a little tight circle right there. We're going to pray together one more time. If you have to move around where you're, from where you're sitting, but turn around. Everybody be with somebody. Come on, let's connect together. Everybody be with somebody. And let's pray one for another before we leave. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you so much for this body of believers. I thank you for your people. God, I thank you for the way that you view us. You don't view us by how rich we are. You don't view us by our family name. You don't view us by our sex or our social standing or our color or whatever there may be dividing lines about. But, Lord, you view us as children of God by faith. And, Lord, today I pray that you would make us one, that this power of unity would prevail in this church, that we would fulfill the prayer that you prayed there in the garden. That, Lord, we would be one, one, and the glory of the Lord would be seen and realized and known. God, I pray you would stir our hearts to pray one for another. Give us a love and an appreciation and affection for each other like we've not experienced. Help us to become all that you have, have, have destined for us to be in the mighty name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love all of you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. See y'all Sunday morning in this place, 10 a.m.
Don't forget Pops Bible Study, 10 o'clock tomorrow. You'll be blessed.